Hey everybody and welcome back to Ty's Tech Line. I'm your host, Tyler Harrington, and thank you so much for being here. I am so, so thankful for all the listeners, for everybody who listens to this show every week. Thank you so much for all your support. It means the world to me. And yeah, I've been loving, 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 loving this podcast journey, but there have been a lot of people on the podcast so far who have been amazing episodes and really, really great guests who have been in our industry, in the creative photography, wedding industry. And although, like I said, those are great and there'll be more of those continuing to come on the podcast, but I want this podcast to be all inclusive. I don't want it to be only industry specific people. So today we have uh, one of the first episodes, maybe not the first, but we have a non-industry specific guest and I'm very, very excited for it. So the guest today is none other than my own father-in-law, Big Eddie Edwards, as we call him. And we'll get into some of that as to why we call him that in the episode here. But uh, my father-in-law, he is a UPS driver and he has been a UPS driver for a very, very, very long time. And I've always found that his job is very interesting because everybody interacts with UPS drivers. Everybody orders things off Amazon and buys things on the internet and has somebody who comes and delivers things to their house on a probably, if you're like us, on a very regular basis. And there's a person who's out there who is delivering that package to you. But very rarely do I feel like we get this chance to sit down with them, talk to them, hear about their life, hear about their job, and hear what it's really like to be a UPS driver. And there's actually a lot of tech that is involved in the UPS driving process from tracking packages and tracking the uh, the progress of everything. Ed here has had a very long time of seeing this evolve over the past 20 plus years of driving for UPS. So I thought it'd be really interesting to have him on the podcast and just chat a little bit about what a day in the life of a UPS driver looks like and how technology plays a role in his life, in his daily life as a UPS driver. And of course, how that technology has changed over the years. So that's exactly what I got to sit down and talk with him about. Now, I've obviously known um, a lot about his job over the years. I've learned a lot about it over the years of being married to Ash and dating and all those things, but I learned a bunch of stuff from this conversation and it's a really great conversation. And I think it's just one of those things that, you know, you may be curious about this just like I would. I think you're going to get a lot out of it and I hope that you enjoy it. So sit back and relax. And here is my conversation with big Eddie Edwards. Eddie, how's it going? Doing well, doing very well. It's weird for me to call you Eddie. I've told Ash this ever since I started dating here. I never really know what to call you guys because Ash has like six million nicknames for you. She calls, she calls you Padre. She calls you P-Dog. She calls you... She never calls, really calls you Eddie. But your real name isn't really Eddie, is it? Because I tell that to people too. I'm like, his name's Eddie Edwards. And they're like, really? Eddie Edwards? So how did you get the name Eddie Edwards? Well, when I was a little lad, little baby, I was the first Edwards boy. So they called me Little Edwards or Little Ed. And as I grew, I grew out of the Little Ed and I became a larger Ed and they called me Ed and then I became very large and <laughs> six foot eight. So now they call me, they called me Big Ed, which turned into Eddie. So most people call me Eddie. Eddie Edwards. That's right. And he is six foot eight, which makes photographing him and his wife a challenge. How old, how old, how tall is the lady? That's okay. We, we call Ash's parents like Lady, Sheikha, Felicia, all sorts of names. How tall is the lady? She's like five, six. Five, six. So five, six and six foot eight makes it very difficult to photograph. So the real reason I wanted to have you on this podcast, ever since I had the idea for this podcast, I thought that you'd be an awesome person to have on because you have been working for UPS for how many years now? Almost 32 years. Almost 32 years. And I know for a fact, just from discussions with you, that the technology has changed like crazy over the past 32 years, obviously not only in just general life, but obviously for UPS. So, and I think that so many people out there interact with UPS on a regular basis, especially with the rise of Amazon and all these different things, but very few people probably have their own UPS driver that they can talk to and ask questions and find out about their life. So before we jump into kind of like the technology of UPS and how everything sort of runs, I would love it if you could just kind of share with us a day in the life of a UPS man. I know that you've had a bunch of different routes and different things over the years, but right now in your current state of life, what is a typical work day for a UPS man look like for someone who's a UPS driver? Well, currently I uh, have what's called a satellite route. I don't report to the main building or the hub as they call it. Uh, It's me and one other driver that meet at a remote site in Reiner, Virginia. And we have a another driver that brings up a trailer to us 
And in that trailer, it's like a, it's a small trailer that fits behind a UPS truck he pulls up. They, there is two routes or two full routes in that truck boxes to fill two small P-57 trucks, as they call them. Uh, so we meet there. At, we, we start there at 10 o'clock in the morning. It takes about 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes to load our trucks. And after we get our trucks loaded, we leave that site and we start delivering. So what all? So what all is involved in this process? So they're bringing you trucks that have already been pre-sorted. So the only packages you guys have really to deal with are the ones that are on your truck and somebody else's truck. What is the process for loading the packages onto your truck? Well, they're in a trailer. There's it, nothing on our trucks. We have empty trucks. Empty, right, so you're, you're taking the boxes off the trailer, putting them on your truck. Right. What like, is the? Is there a automated yeah. process? Is that something that you just know how to do? How are you organizing them within your truck once you get them on? Well, what, what we do is, like, um, the guy that I meet there, Brian, and I, he, he puts them to the back of the trailer, and I put them on the back of the truck. So we load up the backs of the trucks as much as we can get on there, and then we get on to the trucks themselves, and uh, there's these little labels on the boxes. They're called pile labels. And on those pile labels, it tells us where we need to place the package up on the tr- in the truck. So it's already determined for you. It's determined by a computer back at the main building. It's already been. Gotcha. And um, so we, we, we load the truck. Like we have sections one through eight. We load the truck that way, whichever way. is, And it, it's kind of a sequential thing um, that helps us to have a more efficient day as we pull our sections forward and they empty out. Uh, it's supposed to make it faster. Gotcha. And you uh, you deliver in Floyd County. You live in Christiansburg. Where is the main hub? It's in Roanoke? That's correct. Okay. Roanoke. So they're bringing the trucks down from Roanoke up to somewhere near you. Yeah, it's in Montgomery County. Montgomery a place County. Called How far Reiner. is it from your route? Uh, my route starts in, it starts in Montgomery County. Oh, okay. So it's pretty close to your route. So they bring the trailers down. You load them all up according to what they've already done. So this whole trailer and everything has already been sorted the night before. I just think it's crazy how much packing and sorting and how much all sorts of processes that have to go from you clicking order on Amazon to the package, the right package ending up on your truck and then you delivering it. Okay. So now you've, you've organized all the packages. They're all in the right order based on the numbers and everything like that. Now you're getting it and then you're going yeah, we on have, your way. Yeah. We have a predetermined first stop. And uh, like my first stop is the post office. So I go there and I get the and my dyad, it's, it, it's a computer that we carry in our hands. We call them dyads. And uh, so we, we go and we know exactly how many packages we need to find and to deliver to the post office. So as I'm scanning them, the computer is counting them. And when I get to the end, the number should zero out. And when it does zero out, I go and I get a signature and I'm on my merry way. And then, and then what? You go, where, where are you on your merry way to go? Uh, we have a system called Orion, and Orion tells us the next best stop, which is supposed to be the closest stop to where you're going. And it's got Orion's a real sophisticated system that uh, will map out the total the whole day for you. Sometimes I make changes. You can make changes in Orion. I think they allow you to make uh, up to four changes in a day. Uh, but Orion is a it's, it's it's a pretty good program that we're using right now. That's supposed to supposed to make us more efficient. And uh, allow us to uh, get the job done quicker, which is what that's all. What's, what it's all about is you know getting the customer their packages on time and completing your day and coming right. home. And so that's as, so that's essentially your GPS is just sitting up on your dashboard in your in your truck. No, there's a Jeep. You know, well, actually, the GPS is a dyad that I'm carrying around. Oh, that and that's what tells you. And does it have a mounting place in your truck so you can? Well, we never at look it. at anything while we're driving. Number one. So whenever we get to a stop. We look at the computer, which is the dyad, and it tells us we have a sequential screen of eight stops. And we go to the top, and we take that first one off, the second one off, and we go in sequential order, and we go through the screens of the day. And I usually deliver around seven, it's rich around 76 stops. Sometimes it'll get up around 80, depends. You know, the computer system has a really, sometimes it has a pretty good grasp on how things should go. Now, sometimes it's accurate, sometimes it's not. How do you know? How do you know how to get to the next place? Do you have to have that memorized? Or? Yeah, yeah. You're supposed. To, you know, we have to know the area. Oh, okay. You have to know the roads. That's one thing the computer cannot do at this time. It can't tell you when to take a right, when to take a left. Right. It just uh, gives you the next closest stops. Supposed to be the next closest stop. So it just gives you an address. Yeah, that gives and you me just it. have to know. Have to know where to the road there. is, and you, you know, you know, most roads have like even on one side, odd on the other, 
and uh, and we go down the road and we deliver and we we do try to you know, everybody used to be a joke say would you really turn right all day well we actually do try to do that because whenever you cross over traffic you can wait to right. get back over to the other side so we do try to turn right all day long so it chooses your addresses based on efficiency essentially yep. like you said right. right hand turns taking all those things in consideration right. not necessarily just distance right interesting and that's so that's crazy you don't have GPS what if you don't know how to get there what do you do if you'd like you have an address and you're like, I don't know where that is, or I've never heard of that road before. Well, we have something called a smartphone. I mean, if you really don't so know how to... So you can look it up on your smartphone, yeah. Right, right. Okay. But, and, you know, if you're at a stop and you don't really have a really good grasp of the area, we also carry maps. You know, sometimes they give us maps to carry. I have a map of Floyd County. Like when I first took the when I first, map. Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, I laminated a map wow. when I first got to route. And, you know, we also got things called, like, driver logs and stuff like that. I had a notebook where... You know, some houses are not really easy to find, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes you pull down a road, and it might be 10 houses, and you pull out to the end of the road, and there's 10 mailboxes. Well, oh, right. so you really don't know what house to go to, so you try to write down or keep mental notes to remember what house is which going down that one road. So we do, you know, we keep little, some of us keep notebooks. Some guys have real good memory, and they don't keep a notebook, but right. well, I have a notebook. Yeah, I think people would never assume that. I think most people would think that you have a GPS that tells you exactly how to get there and that you have all the information just in some sort of a computer. So if you have to learn all the information for each route, how often... So you had the same route originally. You used to drive in downtown Roanoke, and you had that route for how many years? A long time, right? It was several years. Like long time. 15 years? It was at least that long. At least that long. So you've had this current route for how long now? Five, six years. Five or five, six years? Something like that. How long years. did it take you to... To have it so like have it basically memorized. Well, they only they they'll give you uh, the way it works is when you go on a new route, the supervisor will go with you the first day and he'll drive and you'll deliver the packages. And the second day, sometimes he'll even start off doing it the same way. But about midway through that day, he's going to let you start driving. And uh, the third day, you're basically driving by yourself, and sometimes he'll just sit there and, and give you hints or whatever you may need in order to finish the area. So basically, you get three days of uh, driving. So you have three days to kind of figure everything out, and then you're on your own. And then it's from there. It's if you don't know where it is, put it in your phone. And if not, then right, you just kind of hope you figure when, it out. When, you, when you're talking about the dyad, the dyad, whenever you get to a home— we do have a system on the dyad that it looks like a target and it will, will, will like like crosshairs on it. And when we're at the correct address, it turns green. Oh, okay. So you can't go to the wrong one necessarily. Supposedly not. Some The GPS right. depends on how close the houses are. Sometimes you can be at your own house if, a cloud, if the houses are close. Mm-hmm. But if you're not at the right house... In the country where I'm delivering at now, the houses are spaced pretty far apart. Right. So yeah. if, you, if I get to the wrong house or if I make a mistake or I take the wrong package out of the back of my car and scan it, immediately it starts beeping at me and saying, hey, you know, you're at the wrong place. Okay, so let's go into that. Okay, so you're on your route. You come up to a stop. You get off. So you so you go into the back. You pull off the package. You scan it with your computer. If it's the right package, it'll say, right, right. yep, you're in the right spot. This is the package. And then does it tell? it gives you all the instructions? Like, depending if the signature is required or all those types of things, does right, it tell right. you at that point right. what... In the, in the first screen, you can see whether you need to get a signature or not. Okay. And a lot of times you see uh, if it's a box that needs to be signed for. But basically, you know, everything's done a certain way at UPS. And what stop would entail me pulling up to the stop, securing the truck, putting the parking brake on, getting out, selecting the package out of the back of the truck, putting it on the floor pan... Where we right, right where you go out the door, getting off the truck, picking the package up, going to the front door, putting the package down, scanning it there, mm. and then going back to the truck and starting because everything's timed. I mean, the, the the dyad acquires every bit of information. It knows exactly how long it takes me to get into the back when the door opens up. So I go into the back, I select the package. When I close that door, the bulkhead door, it, it measures that time. So and all that is being measured, measured by the computer. And when I when I leave that. When I close that door and I go off to the house until I come back and start the truck, it's all measured. And we do these stops enough that, you know, the computer can see deviations, you know, you know, they can actually, you know, you can see if there's gaps in time and things like that. Right. So if you're slacking off or whatever. Well, you might, you might encounter a customer and they may want to talk to you a little bit. Chit-chat and they, or something, yeah. yeah. And, we, and we do the talk and walk method, you know, you try to keep moving. You don't want to stop and talk to somebody. You want to be very polite and professional with them, but you just move along and get in the truck and go on to your next stop. So how much time do you have at each stop? What is is the acceptable amount of time? 
uh, that's all generated by computer, and I don't know. I have no idea what that is. Oh, so you, your your objective is just to keep going as and fast if, as I can. And if something is wrong, if you're taking too much time, well, then what happens? Does someone well, it, it, contact it, you? Or? Well, as long as I've been a driver, I've never really had to encounter that. Sometimes they'll ask if there's like a, something may happen, like I may run in behind an accident, and I might have to sit in traffic, or mm-hmm. or I could you know I can encounter some kind of automotive problems like you get behind a slow person driving you know a lot of things can change those times you know we're only asked to do a fair day's job for a fair day's pay so really really they they're they're they're, they're lenient to a point mm-hmm. but if you start you know taking a whole lot extra time they're going to start riding with you or you know they got a way of looking at reports and they can see everything if it so. starts to become a, a, a problem an, an ongoing problem or an ongoing pattern then they'll probably do something about it yeah, but not necessarily yeah, right they'll, they'll, they'll ride with you or talk to you or they'll they'll challenge you as they call okay, it okay so you so deliver that package and then obviously you just kind of go on your way meanwhile you're being basically tracked by this this computer kind of making sure that everything's going according to plan um okay so you get to the end of the day you finish your packages does it matter what time it is? As soon as you finish your packages, you're done? Or is it based on an hourly thing? Or mm. if what if you get to, you know, an eight hour day and you still have twelve packages left? How does that work? You just well, is it always based on your number of packages or is it based off something else? When you get done, you go home. When you get done, you go home. Period. No matter what time it is. No matter uh, how long it takes. It's that's correct. Because we have to empty our trucks every day. We have to get rid of every package. You know, those customers have paid for a service we have to deliver. So, you know, a lot of times, like in the winter times, we get bad weather or we have to put chains on our trucks, slows things down. It takes longer. But so, just, it doesn't matter. So, so some days if you have a fast day or you have less packages, you get to go home earlier. earlier. The days you have a longer day or traffic or whatever, you just go home later. That's just kind of just the way that it goes. And the contract that we currently work under, they got a thing called nine fives and that you can only work nine and a half hours a day. During Christmas times, that's all... We don't have that out the window. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we deliver for, you know, I've, I've, I've delivered up to like 10 o'clock at night. Right. Yeah. I know that around Christmas time, it's always, you know, we never know when you're going to get off work and you have to work every year up until Christmas Eve, right? You never get any well, days off. Yeah, that's true. During that I mean, period. during Christmas holidays, that, that starts after Thanksgiving all the way up until Christmas uh, Eve, we, we work. And uh, here recently, we've been working on Saturdays. That's only happened in the last two years because yeah. we got to get the packages out. You know, we got to, and plus, you know, UPS puts as many extra drivers on the road as they can and the equipment that they have avail- available. You know, they'll, they'll, they don't want us staying out there too long. Right, right, right. They, they, they you know, they, they, they help us as much as they can. But, you know, being a rural, rural route driver, you know, the, the help around me is not as much as if I was in a town with like, 10 drivers around me. So. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And you have more, you you have a lot more time between stops. You're driving a lot more than most, than most UPS right. drivers are. You cover a lot more miles, but not nearly as many stops. Yeah. yeah. Cause you can have some residential driveways that can be almost a mile. I've got some that I'll turn off a dirt road and it'd be a mile and six tenths where I get to the person's home, which is a long way. That is a long way. Yeah. So do you ever, have you ever gotten stuck? I know you have a million different, like, we'll come, well, I'm going to come back to crazy stories, but what happens if you go down a driveway like that, a really long rural drive when you get to the end and there's no way to turn around, you just back all the way up a mile and a half or whatever it is? Well, we're, if I've never, if I'm not really sure about a driveway and don't know whether what it, what it looks like, I'll try to contact the person and talk to them by phone before I go. Okay, yeah. Because of the packages, like most, some packages, they put their phone number on them. So I'll make, I'll make the effort to call them. And I really don't want to go into a situation not having any idea about what it's going to be like when I get there. You know, I always want to be air on the side of safety because I don't want to be stuck because right. then, then that makes my day and, and my job twice as hard. Right. It makes your day last longer because you've got to right. figure out a way to get turned around or back down or whatever. And I know that UPS has a pretty strict policy when it comes to like accidents or anything happening to the oh, truck. Yeah. Do you want, yeah you, I don't know how much you're allowed to like talk about that. Well, it's, it's just basically uh, if anything happens during the day where the truck, we touch anything, hit anything, we have to call the supervisor immediately. Full disclosure, you tell them exactly what happened. Uh, you know, because uh, they won't tolerate their equipment or any kind of a situation that we come in contact with, whether it may be a customer that's a little upset with us uh, because maybe they think it may have taken too long 
or little things like that, I always try to contact the supervisor and let him know, you know, I've had this type of problem either with a customer, you know, if I've struck something, if I've had an accident, immediately I call them. Right. Uh, that's, that's, that's the policy that they have, and it's really the best policy. How many accidents do you think you've been in in 32 years? Not well, very many. Well, well, you know, I worked in the building in a sort for nine years. That's right. Okay. So how many years of actual driving then? So like it's 22. Yeah, it's about 22. 22 years of driving. So in all that time, how much, how, how many, many accidents do you mm, think? Let's see. Less than 10? Oh yeah. Like less, less than five? N- less yeah. than five. Yeah. Cause I know a few of them happened recently and it was a pretty big deal. Cause even if, even with your long track record and your, you know, your amount of experience, I remember you got into an accident. It wasn't even really, it wasn't even your fault at all. But it, the repercussions could have been pretty serious. Oh yeah, and you know, and, you know, we always do the. We try to be as safe as we can all the time. We always yield the right away. Always yield the right away. So if, if there's any way that I can get out of the way of someone that may be driving a little bit aggressively, I'm gonna do so. And in an accident, the previous accident you're ta- the accident you're speaking of, you mm-hmm. know, I was struck. I actually got my truck. My trucks. It was on a dirt road that was very narrow, and I'm and the person that was coming. He didn't stop. He ran right by the side of my truck and hit me. I'd already stopped the vehicle. But, you know, it's things like that happen. I think he may have been a little distracted at the time of the accident. That that happens after being on the road for a long time. You know, we do everything we can to prevent that. You know, we try to drive at safe speeds and we obey all, you know, all posted speed limits and things like that. And we drive defensively. And are they, they're monitoring those things as well? They're monitoring your speed and they're monitoring. Oh, yeah. they, they can see how fast we're driving at all times. Mm-hmm. They, 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 we have a box on board that they can tell if we hit the brakes real hard. They can mm-hmm. tell everything. I mean, they can look up when we back and when we're on a piece of, when we're on, we're on private property, they have the ability to see where we pulled on the property and how we turned around. They can see it all. Interesting. It's, it's wow. very interesting. So, okay. So let's talk about that. So that is obviously very high tech and you've got a lot of, we've already talked about so many different things where they're kind of like monitoring what you're doing and even from the door shutting and the engine turning on and all these different things. But I'm sure that it wasn't always like that. Obviously, like this is probably a relatively new thing. So let's kind of to go all the way back to the very first year that you were driving. Do you remember what year that was? It was in, I think it was 94. 94. Okay, so 1994, you're a brand new UPS driver. 96. 96. Okay, so 96, 1996. I was six years old. That makes that's probably about right. It, right. That sounds about right. So 1996. What what was the same same day? What well, were some of the differences between 96 and now? Well, back in those days, we didn't have automatic truck. We had stick shifts. So six speed. Or yeah, five speed. Four speed, five speed, four, whatever five it may speed. have been. Okay. And the trucks, uh, you had to really, really rely upon your dry, your loader to place the packages in the truck because we didn't have the pile labels on the boxes telling them where to put them on the trucks. So your 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 loader was going either going to make your day or he's going to ruin your day. You know, because some you know if you put everything together on the shelves. Now we could actually have a load chart and tell him where we wanted the stuff put. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had no idea. We didn't know how many packages we had for each shop, stop. You know, like now when I go to a stop, I know exactly how many boxes are on the truck. And back in those days, we didn't have that capability. So what did you do? You just we, hoped? We, we would search. We would, we would pre-sort a truck kind of a little bit. We'd go down a shelf that we knew was supposed to be loaded for the area that we were delivering in. And we would uh, look for look on the shelf and look on the floor for bigger boxes that would go with the stop that was on the shelf. And, and it relied upon the driver a whole lot more back then because, the, you know, the driver had to be, um, yeah, he had to, had to have a real comprehensive look at the truck to make sure that you you don't want to go back. Because you go back, you know, you lose on time, you right. lose on, you, you can't get off as early. It, it was really different back then. It was a whole lot of things that were different. Even, you know, when I first started driving, they had the first dyad and then it was a big big thing. We didn't have cell phones then. Remember what year that was when you had the first little, the basically the portal com- portable computer you carried around? It was 96. It just had came. It hadn't been oh, there okay. very long. Even in that first Not, year. It hadn't, hadn't been around very long. Now, I may be, I may be an error saying that, but I do know that we, we the, the dyad hadn't been available. I don't know what exact year it came out in, but uh, that was but the they first. had them when you were starting to just getting started. Right. They had and that them, helped yeah. you probably to, doc- I'm sure that was even pretty archaic and pretty hard to use. The software probably wasn't very good. And oh, do you it, remember it, all it that was stuff? slow. Yeah, it was a, L, a little green screen. 
you know, monochromatic or whatever. And what new is green? No, it's not monochromatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old, but, but, like old flip phone kind of Plus thing. it had numeric and al- al- alphabetic keys separate. And now the ones we have now, they, you know, each key can do several different things. So the ones you have now still have actual physical keys though. Oh yes. They don't, it's not just like a big iPhone. Mm, no. Not yet anyway. Not yet. But now um, we, 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 we have to type in people's last name when they sign and, Mm-hmm. And things like that, you know, at the end, end numeric things when we're receiving CODs and checks and things like that. Okay. So, but the, but but in the very beginning, that that big dyad, it was a huge little, it was a huge thing. We Did you have through, like a shoulder strap or anything like that to carry no, it around? No, we didn't have didn't have anything to carry it with. Actually, you had to carry it under your arm or put it on top of boxes, and uh, that funny. was quite a feat too, because you didn't want to drop it because it was not exactly. They, they could take a lot of abuse, but you didn't want to drop it. You still right. Don't Right. They're probably, I'm sure they're pretty rugged, but yeah, you probably don't want to throw them around. What would you say was the, because I know obviously now the reason why there's a huge volume surplus for UPS and FedEx and all these different places because of Amazon and the, obviously the boom of online shopping, but back in 96, what, where, where was UPS even in like the shipping industry? Was it the same kind of thing where it was just FedEx and UPS were kind of like the big players? What were people mostly shipping? Because online shopping wasn't really a thing or was people ordering from like catalogs or what was, I mean, what was the majority of, even just from a personal standpoint, what were most people ordering that would come through UPS? That's a good question. There's a lot, there was a lot of companies that were using us like JC Benny's, LL Bean, so they got uh, the catalogs and there stuff. were some catalog, a lot of catalog things were coming through UPS. FedEx has always been our biggest competition. That part has changed, but you know, uh, today, the, just the other day, I was reading an article about the UPS has never had to say publicly that Amazon accounts for more than ten percent of their business because they don't. Really. So that, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I would have thought that it was all Amazon because that's I feel like all I ever get from UPS is Amazon boxes. Well, you know, but the, you know, Amazon actually goes through. Uh, they use the post office, they use FedEx, they use UPS. As well. They use whatever they can use. They don't care. They and just they, want to get they, to your they stuff price as fast shop. As possible. They whatever whoever will do the job for them. Probably the least cheapest. amount of money. Yeah. What are some other, I know that there are some interesting like rules and different things that you have to follow as a driver that people may not be aware of. So like, for instance, you have to, you can only back into parking spots. If you ever go, if you ever take your truck somewhere and park it, um, you have to back into the spot. Are there any other rules like that that people may not be aware of or any other kind of like obscure things that they teach you when you're driving for UPS that people may be surprised by? Well, the backing thing is important because if you back first, things don't change. So if you, you if you nose up in a position, you know, and you go to back up, things can be changing behind you all the time. You know, you have a best view when you're pulling out of a spot as opposed to backing out of a spot. And they, they, they look on it very in a, in a very negative manner. Other things, uh, we do space and visibility. We're always really controlling the space around the truck when we're driving. Uh, we're always, we always yield. And, and that means when we, when in any situation we come to an intersection, and there's another car there. We almost always let them go mm-hmm. because we don't know how they're going to react unless you get eye to eye contact. We're really key on getting the person's attention when we're driving. We'll tap our horn or flick our lights or, you know, just a nice little tap on a horn and wave at someone, you know, just to get their attention. So you know, you know, we're always paying attention to the cars along the road. We're always looking for someone inside the car because, you know, someone opened the door in the traffic, you know, it could be an accident involved in that or they could be pulling away from the curb and not see you. Right. Uh, we're doing a lot of things all the time as we're driving, you know, we're always keeping space in between us and the car in front so we can stop. When we park the vehicle, we're really conscientious about where we park it. We try to park it out of the way of things. The driving, which is the lion's share of what we do, is what we really concentrate on while we're driving. Uh, it's 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 we always we're always moving our eyes every two seconds. We always move our eyes to the front every two every two seconds. We're looking to the front, and then we look either to a gauge or to a mirror and back to the front. And we always go from mirror to front, gauge to front. You know, we're always doing this triangular mes- method. Sometimes we'll, we'll check the right mirror to the front, left mirror to the front. We're always going to the front. Uh, Interesting. And we're always, you know, we're always trying to anticipate what someone's going to do. Right. And a lot of times when I'm riding with other people and they get on like an interstate or whatever and they'll get behind a tractor and trailer, we've tried to avoid them because when you're when you're in a behind a tractor and trailer, you, your space and 
your visibility is obscured and you're not able to see as far. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see a lot of times UPS drivers will even change lanes or they'll back way off so we can get that space that we need because, you know, we have to be – some reaction time is everything. A lot of people think they can react real, real quick, but they'll be real surprised that you can't really react as quick as you think you can. Right, especially in a speed. big truck that's loaded down with packages and stuff. It's a lot – you're stopping a lot slower than you would in your normal – car the uh the triangle thing is interesting do you still find yourself doing that after yeah 22 it, it years keeps, of driving do you oh, do it yeah. instinctively or do you even know that you're doing it or you're just constantly kind of doing it as out of habit well, it has point? a lot of benefits one benefit it has you know you ever been driving you get real drowsy mm-hmm. uh, you, you can do what's called you can zone out you can you can now concentrate on a zone about a six inch square in front of you and you just keep on looking in it what that does is it memor- mesmerizes you and you just and then you slowly get You'll, you'll get drowsy. You could even fall asleep. But, you know, they, they have found or doing studies of driving, if you keep your eyes moving, you you're, you, stint, you you tend to be more alert when you're driving. Sure. And you're picking up on more stuff that's going on around you. Four-way stop signs are, are interesting. You know, you can pull up to one, you see a car coming, you know. Nine times out of ten, if you think I've already stopped, most people will go ahead and take the intersection. And I won't. You know, I'll, I'll right. pull up and I see a car coming. I'll wait till they stop and they look at me and I'll go. Right, because you're I, not in a hurry. I mean, right. you'd rather be safe than yeah, sorry. Yeah, because they might just whiz on through there. Then there you are. You haven't done everything you can to prevent an accident. Right. And that's that's what, I mean, the, the package part of it is, is is the small part. You know, you know, we're they always say the most important stop at UPS is the stop when you walk through the front door of your home. That's the most important stop of the day. And, they're, you know, they want us to get home safe. They don't want us to be involved. But, they you know, they, they really do. They, they, they concentrate on safety. And, mm-hmm. they, and it's really for our benefit, every aspect of it, you know, lifting, lifting and lowering, how to position your feet, uh, you know, don't twist, step. But, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we do that and every aspect of our job has been addressed. You know, they, they put us through skills, as they call it, and, and they talk to us about how to test the weight of the package before you pick it up. And, and they got acronyms for them all. You know, it's just to help you with. So how often do you have to redo this training? Because I'm sure obviously when you got started, they teach you how often do you have to re-up your driving training? Is it every year, every couple of years? Well, well, no, they do it. They have a space and visibility thing they do every year. And they also give us training modules and that thing we call a dyad, the computer we carry. Mm-hmm. We're always doing some type of training about everything. DRs, driver releases, and what criteria there is. Like we don't release packages. We try to release them in places that the passing public can't see mm-hmm. and out of weather. Out of weather, out of sight, as we say. And they'll do, they'll do a whole module on that and they'll tell us what we can DR, what we can't DR. You know, a lot of drivers will say, well, you don't need a signature, so I'm just going to DR it. Well, if it's electronic and you DR it and someone swipes it, they're going to become talking to you about it. I think my UPS driver needs a talking to because they leave my packages in the front all the time in the rain for everybody to see. We always, a couple of other things, you know, we always try to do what the customer wants. Now, sometimes the customers want their packages at the front door. Depending on where you're living at and the type of neighborhood you live in, we, we know that we, if we're having problems with packages disappearing, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll change what we're doing. Number one, we're not, first, we're, we're working for the guy that sent it to you. Right. You that know, because, because because we got to make sure he gets his product to you and we got to be safe about how we're, where we put it out. We don't want to be putting it just anywhere. You know, if we lose his product, he's not going to be very happy with us. And uh, so if we do have a problem in an area with things disappearing, we got what they call porch pirates now that run right. around and follow UPS trucks or follow the post office man or follow the FedEx man, and they just go along and pick things up off the stoop before you can, you can get home. Uh, we'll do things differently. We'll even, if it, if it, if it becomes an issue, an issue might require two times of losing something. It could require once. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get it to where you have to sign for it. Because, you know, like I, like I said, the first person we're representing is the shipper. Right. And then we also want to make you happy as the customer is receiving the package. That's interesting that that, tri- that mantra that you're that you're able to just kind of talk about trickles all the way down. Where is that coming from? Like, how are they? Obviously, someone has told you this, like this, this is sort of our philosophy this is what we're trying to do. Where does this, how does this kind of get all the way down into the drivers, into your guys' heads? Like, where are you learning this information? Do they have like seminars or webinars or conferences like what is the well, we trickle have, down process yeah we have a meeting every day and, and the supervisors get out there and they put out what they want to talk about that day um 
and they, they speak to every issue. Um, and, you know, they always tell us we're the face of UPS because the management are people that you never see. Right. So they, they really they really put it incumbent upon the driver, you know, the way we are, the way we dress, how professional we are, how we treat our customers. And, and they, they go over every aspect of it because, number one, it's their business, and we've been fortunate enough to, to work for them. And, you know, if you take any job seriously, you're going to try to do it right. So you, the stuff that they tell us, you know, if you almost all, I'd say all drivers pay attention because, you know, if you don't pay attention long enough, you won't be a driver for very long. Yeah, that's super interesting. I think that that's great. And I think that that's super important because you're right. Everybody, even though UPS is obviously a huge, huge, huge company. And like I said, everybody interacts with UPS in a certain way. If just your one driver doesn't do what they're supposed to do or doesn't care or whatever that can, you know, poorly reflect on UPS as a whole. And, you know, cause at me as a customer, I only have one touch point with UPS really is that whoever's delivering packages to my door. So that's interesting that, that that's trickled all the way down. Um, you talk about like dressing professionally and things like that. Has the, how, how has the uniform changed over the years at all? Or is it pretty much been the same over the years? And cause you we're living in Virginia, we have four seasons and you, so you're basically in the elements, whatever it is, rain, sleet, snow, whatever, all day, every day. So what are the types of things that you have to combat that? And how have those things changed potentially over the years? I had a supervisor tell me that they used to have wool pants. Not anymore. They had wool pants for 365 days a year. Oh, they had to wear wool pants. Wool pants is what was given them to wear. Ooh, that sounds good. So that's, uh, that was a very interesting uh, thing. So I can be really thankful that my pants are not wool. But uh, some of the things have changed. They allowed us to wear shorts. As long as we wear brown socks. No, they provide the shorts. We have to provide the socks. I think that's pretty fair because I'd much rather we wearing shorts in 100-degree weather than wearing pants. Right. But you have to buy UPS socks from yeah. them? Yeah. And they make you pay for them? Well, yeah, you got to pay for them. <laughs> so how many pairs of UPS socks do you have? I've bought a lot of UPS socks. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's a trade-off. I mean... Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. But, you know, they provide us with our belts. They provide us with our pants, their shirts, our hats, our jackets. You know, we have what's called a light jacket on the outside. It's a rain jacket. And then we have something we can zip inside that's called a bomber that is a uh, insulated jacket. I mean, they you know, they take care of their employees very well. They give you what you need in order to rep- the represent them. What about your boots? Because I know boots are really important. Do they provide those or do they? No, you have to buy your own boots, but they, they t- you want a sturdy upper, you know, it's a sturdy leather boots is what they want you to wear right. and a non-slip bottom on them. Right, right. And because, you know, they don't want you sliding all over the place. And I'm, I'm like, a, like, like we've talked about before, I'm a big fella. So when I start sliding, it's a big deal. <laughs> so it's I wear good shoes. Long, long way down. And another thing people probably don't know is your truck doesn't have air conditioning or heat is that correct it doesn't no, have anything it has at all. heat it has heat but it doesn't have air conditioning it has it, it actually has both but it's usually at the wrong time air conditioning works well in the winter why because it doesn't do anything because <laughs> you know it's cold outside so you can stay pretty cool in the truck and you know our trucks are made out of aluminum so when it's cold outside it, you know we have heaters in the front and but in the summertime we don't have no air conditioning we have two doors that we keep open i've had customers ask me if we even had doors because you know because we slide them back and they're mm-hmm. kind of hidden. Oh, right, right, right. And I've had people that actually didn't think we had doors. Well, we do. It's just we, keeping you cool. Yeah. Open them up. Now, some places I've been told they do have, you know, they have fans they put on the dash. Mm-hmm. We're not one of those areas. Maybe there are places that UPS has air conditioning in their trucks, but they, I'm, I, we don't have any in Virginia, I'm sure. So the, the problem with that is if it's a warm, rainy day, then you've got to choose if you want to be cool or wet. Right, yeah. you don't have. There's kind of no middle. Well, you leave one door open, one door closed. There you go. I guess the far one. Yeah, and then so you bring lunch with you every day, and you bring like a big canteen and keep that on on board, so you can stay hydrated and things like that. Do they have any sort of policy as far as listening to music, listening to podcasts, and things like that in between your routes? I know you also wear an earpiece. Yeah. Uh, are any of those things like regulated, or are there any, any rules of things you can or can't do? In your truck or with your truck? Well, I do have a radio that I have in my truck that I do play on occasion. I have it in a way that it's not impeding my vision and doesn't fall off. Do you have the same truck every single day? I do have the same truck every day. Okay, so you're not like they're not swapping them out and they can. Usually they try to contact us beforehand. But see, oh, like the country country drivers are totally different than the city drivers. Oh, how so? Their trucks are, you know, like we talked about me loading my truck in the city. 
when I worked in the city, I had a loader to load in my truck. Mm. So that that's different in that aspect. Just because they have more packages and it's well, it, it's it's faster. a very interesting system because you know they they the way they do it they 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 have these huge conveyor belts. And uh, they unload the trailers up front, and they put them on these uh, conveyors behind the sorters. The sorters sort them. And, you know, in our center, we only have two centers, so they sort them to two centers. Sometimes they actually sort them to another belt, depending on how, what season we're in. You know, we actually expand the amount of belts we send boxes to to get more trucks loaded. During, uh, like, Christmas season. Christmas and stuff, and like, stuff that. Yeah. like that. The trucks are bigger. I mean, I've, I've driven the biggest trucks. The city truck. trucks. The city trucks are bigger. Yeah. Usually thousands. And it depends on the area and, and you know, you, what kind of pickups you have, you know, because every, you know, like in the pick, the, the uh, route I'm on currently only has two pickups. And I've been on routes that have 30 some pickups, 30, oh, wow. 34 pickups. So, as far as, okay, here's a question I had from earlier. So, as far as the, you keep talking about shelves in the back, A, what does that mean? Like, what what, is, what do the shelves actually look like? They just, are they just lining the outsides and there's just like a channel down the middle that you're walking down? That's correct. And then, how, how are the shelves designed so that stuff doesn't just slide all over the place? Because I feel like that would be a problem. You'd get to where you want to go and all the boxes had shifted. Because whenever I pack a truck all right. for moving, Everything gets all slides around and shifts around. So how does how do the shelves prevent that? And what do the shelves sort of look like? Well, the, inside the truck, the shelves have a lip. It's about an inch lip on the bottom. So you got a flat shelf with an inch lip on the front of it. And we do things called lip loading. So we actually take the box and we sit it on it on an angle. So the whole bottom won't be on the shelf. So if the bottom of the box is sitting on the shelf itself, it'll slide around. But if you put it on an angle... And you, and you press boxes, you know, we pull our shelves forward as we're, as we're delivering, mm. and it keeps them tight. Because uh, usually, usually if you don't pull your, sh- your stuff forward, it'll, you could have a possibility of falling off a shelf. We don't want that. So right. we'll pull our stuff forward because when you break, everything goes forward anyhow. Right. So you're, and, you're pushing it towards the front, front of, the truck, of the truck, towards where, you're, right, right. where the driver sits. And, and then we lip load and, you know, which I That's use. That's interesting. And we yeah. put our heavy boxes on the bottom. You know, we, we deliver up to 150 pounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how we – and inside the truck is all aluminum. Like I said, it gets pretty warm. We have a uh, – in order to see, the top of the trucks are white fiberglass that allows light inside so we can see. Uh, some people don't know that. I imagine a lot of people don't know that. Right. Yeah. Because so there's you no just lights. See the br- so there's no lights at all. No, there, there is a light. There in is back. a light. But there, there's lights for like more delivering at, at night, at, or at night or whatever. We have lights that come on, and we, we can turn on. They're usually LCD now. But that, that was an interesting fact that I found. That, yeah, that the reason the tops of the trucks are white is so that you can see inside, inside. the truck. Absolutely. Yeah, that's super simple. It makes sense. Has has that changed at all in the other than the going to automatic transmission? Has the truck pretty much been the same? All twenty-two odd years of of driving, any major improvements or changes oh, yeah. to the trucks? I mean, over time? some of the old trucks. I've been on trucks where the first step you had to raise your leg almost like almost two foot off the ground, and you know they wasn't really accessible. Uh, we we, we even had trucks now. that had the uh, the dashboard was offset to the right hand side, so like you'd had to look to your right to look at the speedometer. Oh wow! And now yeah. now now they're right in front of us, just like it is in your car. Right. Huh. Um, but uh, a lot of they've 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 made them uh, ergonomically better mm-hmm. over Probably the years. Probably lighter and more fuel uh, efficient and stuff like well, that. Well, our seats are better. You know, we have better seats. Some of the is seats. Is it an air ride? Does it? No air ride. No air ride. Not in your truck. Do any of them? Probably not. No, that'd be that's cool. being tractor and trailers. Right, right, right. I know very little about them. But uh, the Do you have seatbelt. Oh yes. Normal. Yeah, normal that's seat belt. that's interesting. Now, you know, now we get in our trucks. A lot of times we'll put the uh, seat belt over our steering wheel. We'll take it with our left hand, unbuckle it, and put it over our seat belt so we don't have to reach and grab for it beside the seat. Mm-hmm. And when you get in the truck, the first thing I do, you know, we don't have keys to our trucks. Most trucks don't have keys. Some do. We carry a fob. And oh, we, okay. we, we push a button. And when I push the, push the button the first time, it, uh, it, uh, <clears throat> the, the ignition comes on. And I push a little red green button to start. The first push... It gets it all ready. I'm in between that push, I'll click my seatbelt, and then I'll start the truck. They do do they do not want us to start the truck without having the seatbelt on first. Interesting. And that's a, that's a pretty strict rule. You got to have your seatbelt on at all times, especially with your door wide open. That's probably important. Yeah, we you know that could be a bad day. If Just you didn't. in general, it's always good. Always wear your seatbelt, folks. That's you heard it here first. PSA: we Wear your seatbelts. It's important. Gosh, that's super interesting. Okay, so what would you say if you had to pick one? Like, what do you say? What would you say has been the biggest change from when you first started driving till now? 
just over the course of time working working for UPS? I'd say the overall ability to know what you have on the truck. I mean, um, you know, sometimes customers will come and meet us on the road and want their package. Mm-hmm. You know, if you would think about uh, back in the day when I first started driving, our residential stops were pretty much compacted in one or two sections and all the streets were together. And if you had a good loader, he'd, he would sometimes he would take the streets and divide them out. But most of them would just put all of them together. Back in those days, I didn't know if I had a package for you or not because I didn't know what was on my truck. Right, I just knew right, I yeah. had. I just I knew I had residential stops. But now, you know, if someone needs a package, I can look in my dyad and I can see if I have the package, and I know exactly where it is on the truck. And then so when I, you give it to them, you can mark it off as being delivered. delivered you know, they usually sign for it if they meet us on the road. Right, but but you could never do that before. Before no, did you have people signing like sheets of paper? What were they signing if they had a? If they had to sign for the package, I guess you had the dyad back then, so you're doing yeah. signatures and everything. So yeah, you never had to do. Do you know what they did before that? Before they had the dyad at all, was everything just done with like paper? Paper and yeah, you'd have to write down the package number. You had to write down when you delivered it, where you delivered it at, and then you have them to sign, and then they, they, they get a copy, it. and you get a copy. No kind of copies. Thing? We always it was always just ours. Oh, just just internal. Yeah, stuff. we never gave out. You know, people always. I've had people ask me for receipts, and I said, "Well, you can look on the internet, and you can see where I've delivered this box." A lot of times, right. it's on the other end, more like we have call tags where we come to your house to pick up a package, and uh, we pull off a thing off the bottom and hand it to you. Right, right. And that's right. that's the only kind of receipt you really get at UPS. But you, you know, but but it's it, our system. You know, we've pioneered the system to where you can actually our, our visibility of your package in the system is bar none the best. I've had customers tell me that certain shippers will allow them to see where I am driving yeah. to their house. They Which can stop uh, you're on or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they can see exactly. Now I don't know how they do that because, but I, that's 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 pretty intense. Now. The end game is they want to be able to allow the person that's receiving the package to know exactly when we're going to be there right. or we're pretty close, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, people can plan their day around getting their boxes. Sure. And, you know, I, do, I know I do that all the time. Because we want to be sure, you know, number one, if we can make sure they're at home or they know that we're coming, we can deliver the box. You know, every if we, we, we don't deliver the box on the first attempt, it costs us more money. Right, because then you got to take it back, and you got to start over. Do something with it, bring it you back. You got to bring it back day. out and carry it to the pot. You know, and every time that we had to do it, we'll do that up to three times. Mm-hmm. And if we make it to the third time, we we're losing money because now, then you take it back and you it just sits at the distribution center until they come get it. Sometimes we'll send out what's called a postcard if we're not able to get in contact with people, and sometimes we just RTS it and send it straight back to the shipper. Oh right, I mean, Which we they don't want either. No, they want that's exactly right. They want to uh, close the loop. The quicker you close the loop in any business, the, the more profitable you are. So we want to get rid of the package as quick and effectively and as safely as we can. I think that this this whole conversation is very interesting to me. And I've some of this stuff I've kind of known a little bit just from obviously knowing you for such a long time. But I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who have no idea about any of this sort of stuff. Um, so the last kind of question I would have, well, I want you to tell me a couple of war stories after this because I know that uh, the ladies in our family get to tell war stories all the time because they're yeah. all nurses. So you're going to get to tell some UPS war stories after this. But my question I have for you is, where do you see sort of the future of package delivery going? Because it has changed in that the ability for it to be tracked and things like that have changed in the last 22 years. Not a lot else, I mean, has changed. I'm sure, I mean, I know that's pretty big technological advancements as far as like the sorting and organizing and those types of things. But the basic, like what your job is on the driver level has been pretty similar. Do you see that changing with something like, you know, automated cars, drones, those types of things? Do you have any sort of like, have you ever put any sort of thought into that? I feel like everything that you've talked about today from how personal you try and be and how defensive you try and be and all these different things, seems like it'd be really hard to replicate with some sort of a computer delivery system. Well, I think uh, when you take the human out of the, the whole loop, you know, the drone thing I thought was very interesting. And I think almost all the major delivery companies have played with the idea. Um, but, you know, if you have Fido in your front yard and a drone comes and drops a box in your yard, and the drone's going to drop the box with Fido being there or Fido not being there. Right. So if he drops the box and Fido's there, you're going to come back to a shredded box, possibly. I mean, not all dogs tear up boxes. Right, right. I think the human aspect, I think people pay are willing to pay for a delivery service more than they would be for a com- for a more automated computerized service because you know it's a relationship the professional aspect of it mm-hmm. you know uh, 
I think I think that's important to people still today. I think people still really want to know who their driver is that comes to their home. I mean, a lot of the the automated ways will not work in certain areas, like in like I deliver in a rural area. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a for a drone to deliver in that area, it'd be pretty complicated. Yeah, so many different variables. Yeah. Like you talked about, even just with different, you know, a whole bunch of houses all going to one post office box, a whole bunch of you know, really long driveways, those types of things. Yeah. yeah, and plus, you know, the automated car thing is really cool. You know, they, they, they came out with it. Still, that would require some someone to be there to get it out of the car. I mean... Right, it's not from like a robot or, yeah, or like, whatever. You mean a robot, but uh, getting it to your front door and something about people when you knock on the door and leave a box, they still, still, they, they, they want that. They, they want the personal touch. Now, maybe may in the years to come, that may change. Maybe money will outweigh the personal part of any delivery system. But sure, I still see it from my viewpoint. We're going to be the doing this the same way for a while. Now, the technology, you know, UPS is not only in the package delivery business. We do what's called logistics. We'll go into a business and help them set up their business to be profitable in the way that they, they actually keep their product. Sometimes uh, we can set it up to where they never even see the product. They'll put it mm. into a warehouse. We'll show them the technology. We'll help them with the technology. And it, it's pretty amazing what they're doing now. They're doing a lot of from the technology thing. They're really way ahead of almost everyone else in that aspect because that's where it's at, you know, helping people get their product to the outside world quickly you know if you don't have to touch your product or be nowhere around your product i mean that's the way amazon's doing it now right that's one of the most important things is be able to manage your inventory and get it out quickly and efficiently and to save as much money as you can because that's where companies like that bleed money is in is in lack of efficiency that's interesting that ups does that i feel like a lot of people don't know that i didn't i don't think i even knew that um but yeah i think what you said about the being you know this system being automated it all it seems like it's pretty well automated i mean obviously you're not a robot but they have you tracked down pretty much down to the minute to the point where they almost know exactly when it's going to be there and i don't know if a robot could do the job any faster honestly and then you lose the ability for you to make those you know judgment calls that only a human can make like you talked about hiding the package somewhere where it's out of sight you know weather wise there's just so many different variables that go into the entire process that a robot probably would have a really hard time, at least any time in the near future, replicating. And you're not really gaining a whole lot because you do see, obviously, it seems like the system is very efficient and they've got it to a point where they can almost like track exactly what you're doing and see where the flaws are and and those types of things. I mean, I, I almost feel like there's nothing that you could even do to do your job any faster, aside from talking to people less, because you have the system down exactly how you're supposed to do it, turn, you know, your whole system, right? They've kind of got it laid out exactly how it's supposed to be. And it's almost, there's no variable from stop to stop to stop. Well, there's some innovation they've had. They've, they've got, the, they got these uh, areas where they put these huge, I can't think of the name of it because I've never had to deal with one where they actually pull up and you put your boxes in this great big, like lockers. Oh, uh uh-huh, like in New York City or something. Yeah, they got them in Richmond, too, I believe. I think they got them in most big cities. That's that's supposed to pick things up and make them go a little quicker. And then people come down and get them from, like, Mm -hmm. like apartment buildings and stuff. Then I'm not really aware of how that works. I've never seen it done. Interesting. Because some people live in areas where they don't want their boxes left at their front door, and that addresses that issue. Right. And UPS is one of the first people I know that's doing that. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's great. So let's, okay, so let's hear some more stories. I know I've heard a couple over the years. So what are just like, do you have any crazy, crazy stories that stick out to you from your 22 plus years of driving that people might find interesting? I can think of a couple if you can't think of it. <laughs> when you first start, you don't know a lot of routes. So you're kind of like the guy that the supervisor takes with him on the route that you don't know. And uh, we was in the country one day, and uh, the supervisor, his name was Larry, we was in a residential area out in the country, and we pulled up to the stop, and I looked on the porch, and there's this great big Rottweiler sitting there. Well, you pay attention to stuff like that, right? So um, he goes into the back of the truck, and the Rottweiler stands up on the truck, and he walks around the steps, and he comes down to the truck. Well, I can see the dog's not going to stop coming, so I go over, and I sit in the driver's seat, so Larry's in the back of the truck getting the package. The Rottweiler walks up on the truck, walks back into the package area. And when Larry turns around, he sees the Rottweiler sitting in the truck. And he says, oh, what you let him in here for? I said, well, he's too big not to let him in there. <laughs> but, you know, evidently that driver, you know, was feeding the dog biscuits. I said, well, I hope you got a biscuit to feed the dog. And uh, that's something that's changed. They, they, they don't want us feeding dogs any longer. But back in that day, a lot of drivers did feed dogs. 
but that dog knew the system. He knew whoever that driver that usually comes to his door always always had a dog biscuit for him, and he was coming to get his dog biscuit. That's funny. I feel like I've always heard the old, you hear the old cliche that, you know, the dog is going to attack the mailman and mailmen don't like dogs or whatever. Uh, but you have a few stories that prove that to be pretty true, right? Like you had to defend yourself with your dyad on oh, yes. more than one occasion. Many times. Many times. Well, I've never met anybody that would tell me to my face that their dog's going to bite me. Right. They always tell you that they don't bite. And I'm well... I'm the UPS man. Evidently, we got a special smell that they really enjoy <laughs> coming after us. And I've, I've, I've had instances, the most dangerous instance of any time, any kind of dog contact you have is when you come on a property and the dog's not outside. And if you go to the door, in one instance that you're speaking of, I went to the door, knocked on the door, and a woman came to the door and the dog was inside. Well, when I was standing there trying to complete the delivery, the dog weaseled his way through. And it was a big dog. So when he went by me, his mouth was open. All I could see was teeth. So I just stuck my dyad in his mouth, <laughs> and he bit the dyad. But you know, that's the most. I guess that's the most dangerous part of our job is animals because animals are uh, unpredictable. I've heard a story here not long ago about a driver that uh, fed the dog, gave him a biscuit, was coming back to his truck, got in his seat, put his seatbelt on. The dog ran on the truck and bit him. Really? After he done giving him his biscuit, evidently it wasn't the biscuit that he wanted. <laughs> so he. What do you do when that happens? Do you have to do you have to report stuff like immediately. that immediately. I mean, if you get bit by a dog, number one, you got to find out whether that dog's had his shots or not. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it, that's that's something that's changed over the years. We really don't want. A lot of times, I won't get off the truck with a dog. I mean, because it's not worth it. Right. You just call them and tell them. Because the first thing, you know, if you get bit by a dog, the first thing your supervisor is going to ask is, why did you approach the dog? You know? mm-hmm. I've heard a story from a driver one time that he was in the country and he was walking. And he had got, you can't outrun a dog. So he, he was going up to the house and the dog came around the side of the house and it was a big dog. I can't remember what kind, but I think he said it was a pit bull maybe. And the dog started running at him at full speed and I said, well, what did you do? He said, I got down on one knee. And I said, well, this is a very interesting twist to the story. Why get down on one knee? Most people would be doing something more defensive than that. Well, evidently, when the dog got to him right before I got ready to jump on him, he hit it in the nose Hmm. with his bare fist. He said the dog just fell over. The dog shook it off and uh, got up. He said, but every, every time he went to the house after that, the dog would look around the house and see him and the dog would take off running because he didn't want no part of the UPS man then. Do, you, do they teach you anything like that? Like when you're as official UPS like protocol, like how to deal with dogs that attack you? That's, you know, a couple of things that we do is we deliver with it. Uh, maybe some people don't know. We, we, we'll come to the door. If we come to a house that has a gate, we'll rattle the gate. Sometimes we'll, we'll honk our horn. Like one of the first things you do when you pull up to a house is blow your horn. A couple of reasons. Number one, you want to get the people in the house. You want to get them aware that you're there. And most of the time, if you hit the horn at a house, if there's a dog there, he's going to come around and show himself as well. But I have, I've had instances where dogs play the game. I've been to a house, beep my horn, get out, get ready to step in the yard, and he'll be sitting there in the yard. Just waiting for Just you. waiting, not <laughs> saying a word. And I've had customer. I remember that day the customer came out and said, well, the dog's not even out here. And I said, well, he's standing right there. And she said, I don't think he'd bite. And I said, I'm pretty sure he will. Have there been any other like really funny instances? Like, has anybody entered the door in like a completely crazy outfit, and you're like, "Hello"? Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot person. of things in my years. I've seen I've seen uh, men and women come to the door and, and dress that it's not appropriate. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I always keep my eyes locked on their eyes. I don't ever, you know, you know, we got policies. That doesn't we, happen. That, for, that's, that's no way that can happen that very often. People don't know that UPS drivers are not allowed to come in your home. And I've had you uh, know I've, right. had, I've had people ask me to bring things inside their house. Now. I'll, I'll slide it in the door for you. Right, but you can't come inside. No, yeah. because it's liability. Right, you know, oh, of you, course. Of course, if you get inside their house, you're pretty much theirs. Right. And they can say anything. You got to stay outside. Yeah, that's bad news, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to do that, but uh, we don't go in people's homes. That's a good rule. Yeah, because I feel like whenever we're at home, because we work from home, and the UPS guy comes, it's always a mad scramble because I feel like we always look crazy, like if we're like, haven't taken a shower yet that day or whatever, or I was trying to scramble around, but we don't want them to leave because we do like we want our package. But yeah, I'm sure that you've seen some, some oh, yeah. stuff. And then another thing over the years of doing this, some, some people, when I'm walking to someone's house, I'm not looking in your windows because I don't want to. Because I, I, I could 
I, I avert my eyes. <laughs> no, I mean, I may be the exception to the rule in UPS drivers, but I'm not, I, I have no interest whatsoever. Right. And then yeah, some yeah. people say, well, I was waving at you. And I said, well, I didn't see you. <laughs> you know, they, I don't look inside your home. Right. Yeah, I, I try could, really hard not to. Yeah. That could be weird. I could see that for sure. Um, and you've had people, because you, you live in the country or work, deliver in the country. Have you had people, have you scared people? Scared people? Oh, like, yeah. I, their- I, I was in a city delivery and walked into a garage. I, I, beeped the, I was outside, parked the car to deliver the UPS car, and I've walked around to the side garage. Cause, but number one, we always try to find out where we think the customer comes into their home. Mm-hmm. And garage is usually a good bet. Right. You know, because they parked the car inside. And I've walked into a garage to put a package down and startled women. I've had women scream. It's not a good experience. <laughs> I mean, it's you don't want that. A lot of times I try to say something or whatever, but you know, you always try to, you don't want to startle people, but I have startled people many times. That's funny. All right. So last question here. So what's one thing that you want people out there to know about UPS drivers that might impact the way that they think about or interact with their local UPS driver? I can tell you from experience that UPS is a very good job to have. But your drivers are working long hours. I can guarantee that. Uh, they have minimal, if they have families, they have minimal amount of time they actually spend with their families. And the time they do spend with them, sometimes it's just decompressing from work because they work such long hours. You know, but uh, it's worth it because the benefits that we get, the insurance that we get. You've got, what, like eight weeks of paid vacation at I, this point? After I've been there for 30 years. Yeah. So that's all you got to do. you got to stay for 30 years and you get eight weeks of paid vacation. Some it's people don't understand that. that aspect, you know. But uh, your your driver is doing the best that he can. I know, you know, we always try to uh, please everyone, the shipper and the person that's receiving the package. People understood the, the, the stress that the driver's under. I mean, he's he's really working hard because, number one, he wants to get done in that day. And like in the, like in the big cities and stuff, that guy might have 180 stops. Every day. 180 stops every day. Some of them, I've heard of drivers doing 200 stops a day. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a that lot. Every single day. I mean, and we're going to your door with them every time. You know, like we're going to your dock area if you're a business, or we're taking them to specialized places in businesses and stuff like that. We're on elevators. We're we're doing a lot of work, and it's we're, we're rewarded well. We're we're paid very well. People don't really understand. The, the stress that we're under because we're you know we're being monitored. Yeah, you're always being watched. You've got a lot of pressure to. But 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 that but that that's that's good to some extent because you know if I had a business I'd want my employees to be doing the best job they could for me at all times as well. And if I feel like people if something goes wrong the package doesn't come on time whatever they usually think that it's the driver's fault. But just because your package is late, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has anything to do with your driver. A lot of times it's probably out of their control. Well, most drivers, you know, sometimes we make mistakes. We're still humans. Right, yeah. Well, we have make, well, I've made mistakes. I'm sure I'll make some more. But the thing about it is we always try to address the mistake. We, uh, we'll, we'll try to remember what, what instance or what may have happened. Uh, we'll try to recover your package. And ultimately, if you don't get your, you know, we're responsible for it. Customer gives it to us, it's ours, and so you get it, and you, and it's yours, it's yours. But you know, we're responsible for that in between. Our ultimate goal is to make sure that everyone gets their packages on time. They get the stuff that they ordered at the pro- appropriate place and time, and uh, and we work hard to do that. So you go, folks. Appreciate your UPS drivers. We always leave our UPS driver a little Christmas note on the door. So if you have a UPS driver that does a good job, you should leave them Christmas note on their door too. Uh, but yeah, th- this has been great. I think everyone's going to get a lot out of this. I know that I learned so much about UPS just in this conversation and from obviously knowing you over the years. So I just want to be the one to say, so thank you for all that you do. I know that you work really hard and that you, like we said, you're out there braving the elements and you're on your feet all day, every day. And I do think that it's underappreciated um, every time we get a package from Amazon or from whatever our favorite retailer is. I know for me, that's my favorite day of the year. We call him Santa during Christmas because he is delivering the holidays. So this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, for being on here. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. All right, there you guys have it. Big thanks to Big Eddie for being on. I really appreciate him taking the time to chat with us. I just think it's so interesting how some people's normal, like his every single day for the past you know 20 plus years, is something that is so foreign to me and something that I can never really imagine being my life. But for him, it's just very, very normal. And when we see UPS drivers, which we see them all the time, interact with them on a very regular basis, they are the same as him. They are just a normal person with normal lives who have families and people to go home to but at the same time they're out there every single day delivering our packages 
you know, 180 plus stops a day. And I just think it's so interesting to talk to people like that, get a different perspective on their life and on their job and on something that we sort of take for granted, I think, as a society. At least I know I do. Uh, so I just thought that was a really great conversation. So hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you guys want to support the show, the best way that you can do that is to go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. That is super, super helpful and one of the best ways that you guys can help us out. If you have any feedback or any ideas for new topics or anything like that, please let me know. Send me a message over on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Tyler Harrington. Come find me over there. I'd love to hear from you. And as well, if you're interested in being a guest on the show, there is a form in the bio of my Instagram that you can go fill out if you're interested and I will be getting back to you about that. As you saw from this episode, you do not necessarily have to be a leader in a specific industry or anything like that. But if you have an interesting idea for an interesting topic that you'd like to talk about that has to do with technology and how technology impacts our lives, just sort of in general, or just really any interesting topic to talk about, I'd love to hear from you. So go fill that out and hopefully you can be a guest on the show. Again, thank you all so much for listening. This has been Ty's Tech Line, and we will see you next week.